Welcome to the Modern Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Josh Giordani. Special guests with me today, my friend, Hunter Riggers. Um, we've known each other in the real estate industry for a long time. She's been an escrow rep. Now she's working for Fidelity National Title on the commercial side. So welcome, Hunter. Thank you, Josh. I'm very excited to be here. I know, a long time coming. I actually yeah. tested you super last minute, like what, two weeks ago? And I was like, hey, we got an opening. Yeah. Same day. Come on. But it didn't work out. It's all good. No, now I got I got a 24 hours notice this you, time. <laughs> you did, which worked out perfect. Yeah, it did. Um, so tell the people that don't know you a little bit about yourself. I know like your call your college story, all your sports, all that stuff. Yeah. So name is Hunter Rickers. I am born and raised San Diego. Um, I left San Diego for a little bit, went to Clemson University, played soccer all four years there. Came back. Uh, my degree was actually in sports marketing, and I did that for about a year when um, I had graduated and loved it. Uh, was a really great experience. Um, got to meet a lot of pro athletes, do a lot of events, and it was a lot of fun. Um, kind of a good place to get my feet wet in the sales in like sales industry. Um, I was selling sponsorship packages for events and. My whole family was real estate. Uh, I grew up surrounded by it, but I, being the rebellious child that I was, <laughs> wanted to do anything but what my family wanted me to do. Um, so, you know, my, my dad's side of the family, they ran a mortgage company when I was growing up. I remember literally being four years old and penciling on loan docs and shredding paper in the office. And then um, my my mom went into the industry when she went back to work 12 years ago, became a title rep um, on the residential side. My sister didn't even go to college, went straight from high school to becoming a transaction coordinator. Now she runs a very successful business of her own. My, my aunt's still an active lender. So they really wanted me to be a real estate agent. And that's what they kept, you know, push, like pushing on me. But I was doing the sports thing, really liked it. New San Diego was kind of a small market for the sports world. And if I really wanted to pursue that, I'd probably have to go, you know, to LA or another market. And this was also when the chargers were leaving. And that's a story for a whole other time. Um, and then the regional manager for my first escrow company started recruiting me, knew who I was through my mom, said Hunter's already in sales. You know, I really need a sales rep. Um, would she come over? And I was like, what is escrow? Like, I don't even know what that is. Like, how am I going to sell it? Um, but I'm lucky that my mom happened to be a title rep at the time. I got a feel for what she did on a daily basis. And I was like, okay, you know what? I'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. I'll learn. So here we are seven years later, still in real estate. Um, and yeah, now I, I moved to Fidelity um, in May. And so now I'm uh, with the national commercial services division. I'm really focusing on nationwide commercial business and I, I love it. Um, it's not what I expected to do. You know, title insurance wasn't what I grew up passionate about, but, um, I love what I do every day. I like who I get to work with the deals that I'm a part of. So, um, it's been really good so far. Yeah. And it's very, well, I worked with your mom at F and F. Yeah. So, well, technically at lawyers. And then she went to fidelity and then she's like retired now, basically. Yeah. Right? So yeah. she um, is actually an agent now. Oh, nice. So we did a little flip flop. A little flip -flop. You know, I, I went into title and she took the role she wanted for me. <laughs> I feel like that's why I love real estate, though. There's so many different like avenues you can go into. Like when mm -hmm. I first got in, uh, I was an agent from 2009 to 2017, then went into title insurance, and then obviously like still in title insurance, but now like invest in real estate and mm -hmm. diversified and all that different stuff. But I just think there's so many different avenues. Like even if you hate being a realtor, like the affiliate side, like as long as you make the right connections and get in, cause we are in one of those like very clicky mm -hmm. industry, like to be on the affiliate side, like you kind of have to know someone to get in yeah. to the inner circle of like being hired at a title yeah. or restaurant company. Like I really yeah. think that it, that's very true. Yeah. Um, but there's just so much opportunity in the real estate industry, like not mm -hmm. just to be a realtor. And I think a lot of people just don't understand that, like that there is just different avenues you can go within without being a lender or without being a realtor. And I think, you know, 90% of the time, people, when people get into real estate, they don't finish the career, their career in the place that they started it mm -hmm. because it's very, you know, it's, it's constantly evolving. And once you get into it, you kind of get a feel for other parts of the business. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, you can, continuously, you know, adapt and move to like kind of where you find your niche to be. Um, and that's what I think a great, like, I'm super happy I started on the, in the, on the escrow side because I kind of got, you know, 
to connect with almost everyone involved in a transaction. I was working with realtors, with lenders, with title, you know, um, with, with everyone. So I got a feel for kind of what the industry has to offer. So that made the transition, you know, just over to title that much easier. hundred percent. Um, I do want to get back a little bit to like sports and like the fitness side. Cause I think like with you and I, we always talk about it when yeah. we're hanging out, like the fitness side, business, all the different avenues. So I mm-hmm. would love to get into a little bit. So like with soccer, mm-hmm. when you're at Clemson, you came back to San Diego. What was like your goal with, were you trying to go pro? So when I went into college to play, that was my intention. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I had been in like the Olympic development program a little bit in my youth and that was definitely what I saw happening. And went to Clemson, started my freshman year and then ended up, you know, having a, a knee injury my freshman spring and which put me out for almost a year at mm. that point. Um, and the, the girl who came in by, uh, the year behind me, um, was an in- incredible player. She's actually starting goalkeeper for the wave and, uh, Canada. And so that's been really exciting to see, you know, her career evolve, but it was at that time where I kind of, I realized one that soccer, pro- like wasn't my long-term play. Mm. And, you know, I always, I always say that was probably the best thing that could have happened to me at like just in my development as a, as a person, because right. I was always, you know, I was a high level player. I was always like my team, my club team was ranked number one in the country, like, like most of the, my youth. And, you know, I was, a, I was a gifted, you know, young player and like, I worked really hard. Don't get me wrong, but things kind of, I guess it came, it came naturally to me. Sure. So for the first time in my life and career, I was like, you mean I'm not just going to walk out and play like, mm-hmm. you know, and so I really had to switch my mindset and learn how to be a different part of the team without being a starter. And I, like I, like I said, I think it was one of the best things to happen to me because I had to learn how to adapt. And like when I went into the worst workplace and then I was bottom of the totem pole, I'd already kind of mm-hmm. been through that mentally. Right. And I think I see that with a lot of my friends who were collegiate athletes and they were like the top dogs and then they get into the workplace and they're like, what do you, what, what do you, they, they don't know how to like climb that ladder again. 100%. Um, so, so I, you know, and like, so I think it was one of the best things that happened for me. I think a lot of like, you see those sports athletes who like get injured and all that stuff and they're, uh, they get depressed, mm-hmm. right? Because they're not at their highest level. They're playing at this level that they used to play at mm-hmm. where you're sitting on the sidelines watching. You're like, shit, I just want to get in there. I just want to go. Um, and I think it, it it's, I, I see that it's very hard for people who are like really high level athletes to get into them, the workforce and like not be like the number one, which I'm sure mm-hmm. fitness probably came into play. Yeah. Is that when you like started competing and, and. Yeah. So, um, when I had graduated, um, I was just working out, you know, for fun, but I lacked, I missed having something competitive. Mm-hmm. I actually hadn't really anticipated to get into bodybuilding. I actually met with my my first coach um, just to start working out and getting in shape again. And he just happened to coach competitors. And he was like, you have a really good you know, foundation from playing soccer your whole life. There's a show in 10 weeks. Like, just do it. Being the impulsive person that I am, I was like, <laughs> sure, why not? You know, right. it would be good to, you know, give myself an end goal. So I just anticipated doing the one show, trained for 10 weeks, did the show, placed fifth, and the competitor in me came out, and I was like, that's not good enough. Yep. So there was a show six weeks later that I just, ro- like, went straight into, and that was going to be it, but I ended up uh, winning that my class mm-hmm. in that show, and which qualified me for USA's a couple months later in Vegas. So... Mm-hmm. Stayed on prep, um, did, went to USA's, um, there were, I don't know, 30 to 40 girls in my height class. I, I took sixth, um, top two went pro. So, I mean, for my first real season, it was, you know, I did really well. Um, but it was just so hard on my body. I mean, I was 22, had to be put on hormone replacement therapy and, it like, you know, blood work was, was a mess. So it took me a couple years to really, luckily I was young and bounced back. And I had, I did another show in the beginning this was 2017, did another show in the beginning of 2020. But after like my first, that first season, my body just started fighting me. Yeah, It was like, we don't, we don't want to do this anymore. Like, you know, I just couldn't quite get to that level of leanness and no matter how hard I tried and, you know, it's still like a, an, I feel like I'm still picking up the pieces and dealing with the aftermath of what I put my body through. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a, 
I don't regret it. It was a great experience, but it's just not worth the the long term. It's not like it's not a healthy thing. Like competitive no. bodybuilding can competitive like competing in general is not healthy yeah you're putting your body through like so much stress and even dieting like getting to a lean body fat percentage like when in 2017 when i like that was the leanest that i ever got back then uh it was awful like awful like mm -hmm. i felt like shit all the time yeah. i was always tired like your sex drive is off like your body just doesn't like it's shutting down yeah like, it's starving yeah you know so, yeah <laughs> and for women like Actually, well, for women and men, the hormone stuff can, comes into play big time. Yeah. So when mine, like, I didn't compete, but when I when I did that, like, I got tested for testosterone afterwards. I, I was at the lowest point that I could have could have been. Yeah. And I never recovered from it. Yeah. So I ended up having to go on hormone replacement. Yeah. And I haven't been able to get off ever since because my levels have never come back to normal. Yeah. But I know for women, like, for women, sometimes they don't even get their period back. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, there's yeah. a lot of like. And, and it gets to a point where it's almost like really unhealthy mm -hmm. with women and men when they're looking at themselves. We've talked like when we were yeah. uh, drinking and stuff about like body, <laughs> and body dysmorphia. But yeah. I think like fitness, that that industry is really hard to watch because you yeah. see a lot of people who are like really strong competitors like in their 20s and now they're in their 40s. But they're still like completely shredded and they can't let go of mm -hmm. just like eating and enjoying themselves and yeah. being normal because they're always having that like – I need to be shredded year round mentality. Yeah. I mean, I remember when I was like in, like in it and I was like, I looked ill. I was so lean. Right. And I remember like being close to sh a show and saying, Oh, I'm, I'm bloated. I'm holding water. Like I'm like, I, and people would be like, what are you talking about? And, but I couldn't see it. And now I look back at photos and I mean, there was not a, an ounce of body fat right. on me. And, um, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't see that. Mm -hmm. And so then you like, you start to put normal amounts of weight on and go back to looking normal. And all of a sudden you're like, it, oh my gosh, I'm huge. Like I'm fat. Like, and you know, like it's, and then it's it, a vicious cycle of doing the yo-yo diet again, like going up and down and starting a diet. And then you're like, yeah, it's never ending. It's never ending. And it's, you know, I, I mean, I, it's still, it's a it's a daily battle for me. Mm -hmm. Um, because once you see yourself a certain way and you attach, you know, and like, and the, that's like the unfortunate part about social media too, is like you get to this place and you're getting all this external validation from other people. Like, oh my gosh, you look amazing. Right. You're, this is so cool. Congrats. Like, and you're, then you're, you're attaching like that gratification and like, like to the way that you look mm -hmm. and so like, as you get away from that, it's like, you know, and like. I grew my social media platform as a fitness influencer. And so I'm not that anymore, you mm -hmm. know, at all. Like I work out because right. I like it, but like, that's just not who I am anymore. Mm -hmm. And so you start to feel like an imposter, like, mm -hmm. well, I don't look shredded. Like I, it, like you almost like shut down. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, um, I think the mental aftermath is probably the biggest downside for people that get into that sport. Yeah. hundred percent. And I think like when I first started getting into fitness, it, this was like, early, um, maybe like 2011, 2012, but it was like casual. I think I was like always like skinny fat when I was younger, but I was called fat when I was in high school. Like we've talked about that. Yeah. And, um, so like, I didn't know how to like diet or do any of these things. And there wasn't like the internet and all that stuff. But now like with the internet, like you compare, I compare myself yeah. to, to other people mm -hmm. on Instagram all the time. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait, like I go to the gym that much. Like I dieted. Why am I not looking like that? Yeah. Like why does my chest or arms like aren't as big as theirs? Yeah. But it's just a weird, like it's just a weird, like it's just not healthy yeah. to do. And I think sometimes like, you know, f now actually coming back from, um, from the wedding, like we, we were like dieting and kind of just like trying to just be good. Mm -hmm. And it's nice to like come back and just be like, okay, I'm still going to go stick to my normal, like gym routine. Yeah. But I had a box of cookies last night, Yeah. but I still feel good in the morning. And yeah. I don't like, maybe I feel <laughs> a little bloated, but I feel healthy. Yeah. You know, I don't feel like, like shit. Yeah. Right? And that you're tired and lethargic all the time. And yeah. like that you're forcing, you know, to, to diet when you don't need to be right. Yeah. Cause at our, like now with our careers and everything else, like what's it for? Yeah. You know, like really it's not for like, it's not for us anymore. It's for other people. Yeah. In a sense, if we exactly. were to diet, right. Yeah. It would be for external gratification and not for like, Hey, we're just chilling. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and like the, the reality is 
other people don't care. <laughs> they don't give a shit what no. you look like. <laughs> right. And but chances are they don't even notice. Like, right. I mean, I, like I know for me, like if I even got like a few pound fluctuation, like and when I looked in the mirror, I saw a huge difference. Yeah, me too. I was like, oh, this is so noticeable. Mm-hmm. No one else is going to see that. No. Um, and like, I mean, the most att- like attractive trait you can have is confidence. Like be confident in yourself, you mm-hmm. know? And, um, I think like I've, o- I've always looked around at people and been envious of that, of people who are so confident in themselves, no matter what, you mm-hmm. know, I have girlfriends who are like, yep, I gained 15 pounds this year. <laughs> did it affect anything that they did? Did they right. still enjoy themselves? Yes. You know? So it's like at the end of the day and like, it's so cliche, but truly you, you don't know when your last days are. Mm-hmm. And I think that was the biggest thing for me because I sat out from so much in my twenties. Like, you know, I'm almost 30 now and just now, like, am I starting, like, it was just really in the last year that I said, I'm never going to do that again. I'm never going to sit out of a big event. I've missed people's birthdays. I've missed family members events. Mm -hmm. Like, and I've made excuses for it when at the end of the day, the excuse was because I was afraid of the calorie consumption. And I just feel like I missed out on so many things. And then it's like, for what? Mm -hmm. Um, and I just like, finally was like, I'm never going to do that to myself again. Right. Um, because at the end of the day, it's probably not going to make a difference No, and it's not worth it. No. And it's not like like we said, it's just not healthy. And I think it's more important to surround yourself with like the people who care about you anyways. Mm -hmm. Like there is times, don't get me wrong. Like there is times where like, Hey, maybe we like for me, if I gained 20 pounds, like from right now, I'd probably be like, okay, yeah, like I want (laughs) to get myself back to a healthy place, but not an unhealthy place. Yeah. Um, and I think that's still important, but now I feel like without like the competitive side, right? Like you can still go and, you know, have Thanksgiving with the family and like yeah. be present and still be able to go and like fit in a few drinks without it like completely ruining things. Yeah. And I think that's the power of like understanding like calories mm-hmm. and like macros and all yeah. those different things and being able to track and technology these days Yeah. on like knowing that you don't just have to like eat chicken and rice or like yeah. very basic foods. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it's uh, it's about finding a balance. Yes. And it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm-mm. And I think, like, the biggest thing that I – that was a game changer when I started telling myself, because it's okay to have high standards for yourself. It's mm-hmm. okay to, like, have a certain physique where you feel the best, you look yeah. the best, like – and that this it's not an excuse to be like, oh, screw it. Go eat and drink whatever you want because YOLO, you know, like right. it's not that like you still want to like be 100%. healthy, but it's okay to like want something more for yourself, but still accept yourself for the way that you are right now. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's like, it's okay that you're not a hundred percent confident in the way that you look right now and you want to be a little bit better, but that doesn't mean you have to hate yourself until you get to that point. Right. It's okay to make, and maybe it takes you a little bit longer than it would if you were just a hundred percent all the time. Um, so it's like, and that was like the biggest like self-talk that really helped me. It's like, okay, I'm a little bit heavier than like I like I usually am, but that's okay. That doesn't mean I look bad. Mm. I look great, but like I, it's okay to like want to like get back to that place without being totally like disgusted until I am. Yeah, I mean it's your standard, right? I think we yeah. all have like standards for ourselves of like physically of where we want to be, but it doesn't mean that like we're fat. Yeah, right? like like I have a standard to be leaner than what I am right now, but I feel really like I came like yesterday. I was like. I feel really good. Like yeah. my gym workouts are really good and I'm eating good and I'm mm-hmm. like not worried about anything. But like, I know deep down, like if it was summertime that I would, I would want to be yeah. a little bit leaner. Um, but it's all good because we have our standards, like, yeah. but no one else gives a fuck. Yeah. You know? Like it's just yourself <laughs> yeah. and it's okay. Cause it wouldn't take like for, for you to get to where you wanted to go. Like maybe three weeks, right? Yeah. Like you're probably good. Yeah. You know, it's just bumping up the cardio a little bit. Yeah. Just getting back <laughs> into like a, you know, a lifestyle change yeah. and not like a, a huge competitive diet. Yeah. Do you feel um, like with sports and with competing and, and all that other stuff that it's helped you with business? Definitely. I think having that competitive drive inside of me is, you know, has helped a lot because that comes from within, you mm-hmm. know, and like being a, like an athlete and like the bodybuilding, like especially the bodybuilding, it's like nobody did that work but me. Mm-hmm. And people can want it for you, but at the end of the day, like you're the only one who can do the work. And I think having that internal drive is what makes a difference in the workplace because 
you have sales managers, you have, you know, people who are giving you like numbers and or, or goals and, and like, that's great and all, and they can motivate you and push you all they want. But if that doesn't come from like an internal desire to achieve that, then you're just not going to get there. Um, so, you know, it's, it's that like, just, you know, having that competitive mindset, it's also, you know, like learning how to be a team player again, like going back to like losing my position. It's like, how can I still contribute? How can I be a leader? Like, how can I make this team better? Even if maybe I'm not playing a role that I used to play. And so, you know, learning how to work with people and that goes for people on your team internally, but then also like how to work with your clients and people outside of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think sports has been a huge contributor to, you know, how I've been able to step into the workplace. hundred percent. I think, um, with like, I didn't compete, but when I was doing like a diet, for example, it's painful. Mm-hmm. We're starving our bodies. We're going through like this tremendous amount of pain. But then I correlate it like after I was done, like going and make cold calls. It's not painful. It's painful maybe mentally, yeah. but it was more <laughs> physically painful to do the other things that was, I think, way harder. Yeah. Right. To get told, you know, or hung up on or anything like that. Like it's just less painful than yeah. actual pain. Yeah. So it's easier to do. So I think yeah. like doing sports and knowing how like I think 75 hard is a really good example of like people just like that can relate to this is someone going through 75 hard and doing a routine for 75 days straight Mm -hmm. I truly think that that can change their life Mm -hmm. because they'll get into a routine and know how to be better for themselves and read and come up with like different um things to train your brain to do every single day yeah um that I think that you and I maybe have did like on accident back yeah. in the day before 75 hard was on. But I think it correlates a lot to business and how you can be successful with sports and with fitness and all that other stuff. Well, and it, they're very similar in the way that they're, they're like success in any of those things is a culmination of all the really small things that you're doing every single mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going through a diet and trying to get lean, like you're not going to wake up every single day and be like, Ooh, I'm leaner. And each day suck just as much as the last mm-hmm. one. You know, like when you're preparing for, you know, when you're an athlete and you're practicing every day, like, and you're in the gym and you're going to every training session, not every single day, are you going to, um, you know, feel like you got that much better, but you're doing the things, the right things consistently every single day. And at the end, like at the end of it, you found success. Yeah. And like, that's how it is in business. Yeah. Like you're a lot of times, especially in sales, like mm-hmm. a big portion of sales is laying groundwork mm-hmm. and, you know, repetitions. And like, you're not just going to leave every meeting or every phone call with a deal. So yeah. it's, it can be very discouraging if mm-hmm. you feel like you worked really hard all day and you don't have a deal or anything to show for it. But 100%. again, it goes back to that mindset of just doing the right, knowing you're doing the right things every day consistently, and you're going to reach the goal at the end of the day. hundred percent. What do you think the difference is, uh, or not, what do you think the difference is? There is a big difference because we both know. Um, escrow versus now commercial title. Is it very like, what is the different? I know most of the people on here are probably not going to be like the affiliated sales rep position, but all sales is very similar. Yeah. Um, do you feel like it's very different with the commercial side on title? than the escrow. I feel like what I do on a daily basis really isn't very different. Um, it's just now, well, I mean, title and escrow are obviously completely, completely different um, services, but that are connected in some way. But you know what I do as a salesperson is essentially the same thing. Yeah, you right. know, the prospecting and the the deal flow and all that. Um, the only difference now is that you know I'm handle national accounts. So now I'm, you know, doing deals in all 50 states and the deals are just a lot bigger Mm -hmm. and there's a lot more at stake for a lot of people. You know, it's not just now, I guess San Diego averages million dollar house. Um, you know, but sometimes I have my hands on a 50 million or a hundred million or a $200 million deal. Um, so it, I feel like I'm a lot more part of the deal process than mm-hmm. I used to be. Um, you know, and then in like in title, like it's, it's, I, I'm a huge nerd actually. So I really thoroughly enjoy like actually getting to look into the history of a property. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when you're talking about these big commercial properties, $100 million properties. Yeah. yeah. That have been, you know, I mean, 
that have been a historic piece of land since it, the, you know, for forever. Right. I mean, I remember when I was training and we were looking at a gold mine, you know, that's been around since the gold rush. What? And that was, I mean, and there, you know, I was in the production plant and we're looking through like the handwritten books before there was ever even any technology. So it's really cool to get to see like some of, some of the properties that are here today and kind of their story and where they came from. Yeah, I think like the sophistication of commercial versus residential is so much different. Mm -hmm. Like the caliber of people, it, you know, this isn't any shade, but like the caliber of people that you deal with on the commercial side versus residential is totally different. Mm -hmm. Like, let's be real, most of the commercial side, like they're very, very educated. They're dealing with mm -hmm. a shitload of money, right? Very sophisticated buyers and sellers. Um, it's just a different, it's just a different beast, but it's also like a numbers thing. Yeah. You know, I had a uh, Alexio Barbo before, before you came in and, um, you know, it's funny. I hated when I was like an agent mm -hmm. on the residential side. Cause I hated like the, I don't like the carpet. I don't like the paint. And so like all that stuff just bothered me. And that's why yeah. I got out of real estate as an agent. Cause I just didn't enjoy that piece of it. Mm -hmm. But like with commercial, it's just all numbers. Like does it cap rate? Does this thing pencil out? Yeah. Is this thing going to make me money? All right, let's do it. Well, commercial is a lot is pretty much for the most part, like you're, it's a lot more B2B, mm -hmm. you know? So it's like everybody involved is running a business of some sort. So yes, it's a lot more numbers driven. It's mm -hmm. a lot more bottom line. People just want to know how can I get this deal done the most effectively, efficiently, you know, get me the most money for spending the least amount of money. You know, it right. is, it's very much numbers because right. like, you know, a lot of the buyers and sellers, again, are businesses or you're dealing with developers or, or and whatnot. So everyone is just trying to, to make their money and you do get a lot less of the bullshit. And I mean, I don't want to call it bullshit, but like, you know, when you're selling a residential deal, homeowners and, and, you know, and buyers, like that's, it's a lot more emotional. Like mm -hmm. this is their personal money. Like this is the biggest like financial decision they're probably ever going to make. Right. Um, you know, so, it, and so they have every right to be as emotional about it as they, as they are. But yeah, so I, I, th I agree. I think when you get to the commercial side, it's just, it's a lot more business. Yeah. Which I think like if I was to ever like look back as like getting out, I don't regret any like career moves that I've ever done. Mm -hmm. But like commercial always sounds so much more interesting to me. Like if I was to ever like, if I was to switch from an agent to going on the commercial side, I feel like I would align so much better with that. Cause mm -hmm. it's just different. Yeah. Um, and I like the numbers and I'm like, not, I'm an emotional guy, but I'm not like <laughs> when it comes to like business stuff, I don't like the like emotions behind things Yeah, and like the sensitivity and, and like as us, like we dealt on the residential side, you deal with that a lot, yeah. especially even with clients and which can be hard. Yeah. Challenging. Yeah. Um, I think we also have to have like very much like rhino skin mm -hmm. when it comes to like the residential side of like clientele and being different. Do you ever feel, um, that like on the residential side that you were treated differently? Yes. <laughs> Do you feel like you're treated differently on the commercial side or are you more respected? I feel, I feel more respected. Um, and now a lot of my clients on the residence residential side, and, and I would say most of them were great. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I didn't really feel like one, I w I was needed. Um, you know, and then I, I felt like I was treated like a salesperson, like, mm -hmm. Hey, you need my business. This is what I need for you to get my business. And then I felt like an order taker and that was it. Mm -hmm. I, I felt like I was, you know, basically a glorified errand runner a lot of the time. And I didn't feel like people really brought me into as like, as a business partner. Mm -hmm. And now, you know, being on the commercial side, I'm really looked at like for, not for like, what can you, what can you do for me? What, mm -hmm. you know, but how can you help my business? Sure. Um, and I feel that's why I've found some success like fairly early is because I'm not just saying, Hey, go, you know, go put a deal together and let me know when you want me to open title. It's actually like sitting at the, at the round table. Like, what are you guys looking for? You know, what kind like, what are you looking to acquire or it's what, what do you have coming? Like, kind of, because, you know, as title reps, like we're another pair of boots on the ground for them. I mean, mm -hmm. what we're doing all day long is talking to other people. We're talking to brokers, developers, attorneys, lenders, you know, across all asset types in all areas, you know? So you want to like, you should, you should be able to connect the dots. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like they're, 
they really look to me to do that. Um, so I just, it's really, it's a lot more gratifying to get a deal done that to when you felt like you were part of it. I mean, like I, you know, I just closed my biggest deal in my career at 42 million within a couple months of, of being over on the commercial side. And it was because I found an off market deal and helped put it together. Um, so that is like, it's a lot more exciting when you have deals come through the door, when you feel like I actually helped, I didn't just pick up the phone and happen to get lucky, you know? Yeah. And I feel like the beginning of my title career, like leaving, like as an agent before, I remember when title reps would come in the office and I, I, I'll be, I was a dick, right? I was an asshole. I was like, not the nicest person in the world. And to be honest, like I didn't deserve to be an asshole because I was just young and didn't know anything and just felt like I was being sold. Mm-hmm. And I didn't do like a ton of business. So I was just one of those like people like that we would look at nowadays that we probably wouldn't want to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the first four years of the industry, I, uh, I felt like an order taker mm-hmm. and I felt like the bottom of the barrel mm-hmm. and it was really challenging mentally because I felt like I was just, I, I feel like I lost myself mm-hmm. as like a person because you're just like, you're doing these order takings. You're not, you don't feel valued as a person in the relationship, as a, in the business relationship, when you feel like you are giving value, mm-hmm. but it is just like a transactional thing. And then when people stop using you and all these other things, it just like, it, it, it not hurts like emotionally. It's just like a mental thing. It's yeah. a mental game every single, every day, yeah. which sales is period. Yeah. But you know, when you're treated like shit, it's not fun. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who have been in our side of the industry for a really long time, like you can tell they've been in our industry (laughs) because of how negative they are because of how people treat other people on our side. Yeah. Um, And it's really challenging because I don't, I don't know that a lot of people like talk about how affiliates or like title and escrow people are treated, but like it is sometimes like, I think people just need to realize like we're all human and like you, like just being nice and saying no in like a very polite way. Yeah is better than hanging up on us. Cause we're going to see you yeah. in person one of these days <laughs> yeah. and it's going to be really awkward. And I'm probably going to laugh about it and be like, Oh, you're the guy that hung up on me. Nice to meet yeah. you. You know, but like, yeah. it just like, it's just, it's just interesting. Cause I would never do that. You know, no. like, like treating everyone as like a person and a human and not just like, Hey, you want something from me? But like, if I did, don't give it to me, you know, yeah. I'm like move on and just say that. But yeah, it, um, it feels like, people like with that dynamic, like they almost just forget like just human decency Mm -hmm. and common courtesy. Mm -hmm. And like, we're all just, we're all just trying to make a living at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, I feel like all like, it just, it just goes out the window as soon as it's like sales, you know, a sale. Like I feel like a used car salesman sometimes. Mm Like, that's how I feel like how I'm looked at. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, for sure. I mean, that's how I felt like I was looked at for a long time, which is why I think nowadays I'm just like, I want to work with like the people who I'm mm-hmm. already working with. And if I work with new people who like I just connect with on like a natural basis, that's it. Yeah. Because like, I just can't like mentally, I, I don't want to deal with the people who, who drain me. Yeah. And it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. It's funny since I like stepped into you know, this role seven years ago, I'm now when I'm getting a sales pitch from someone else, like I used to, I used to be the person who would just like hang up on somebody like on the other end of the phone or maybe not be the nicest. Like if I felt like I was not in the mood to be pitched and I was getting pitched and it's really changed my mindset. Cause I know how it feels when it happens to me. So now it's like, I'm, I, you know, I'm going to, do whatever I can to, to let you down easy at least, mm-hmm. you know, or right. just like be kindly say like, I'm good. No, thank you. And if I can help, like, why not? You know what I mean? Like, just because if I have the time and I like, there's a way that I can help then then I'm going to help this or this because I know how scary it is to be that up, that person on the other side of the phone. Right. And I do remember as like a realtor, it's hard because you get a lot of calls. Like when you're doing business and you have listings and, and things like that, there's so many people who are getting paid on every transaction, right? Yeah. Title, escrow, home inspector, termites, uh, let's contractor, yeah. right? Like um, lenders, like there's probably so many other people that I'm like not naming, but all those people are prospecting the same person, yeah. right? The realtor yeah. involved in the transaction. So I do get it because it's like, it's tough, but sometimes you just have to like humanize it a little mm-hmm. bit that like everyone's real people. And if you, if you have your relationship, just tell people that Yeah. instead of being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm curious 
you know, because I, I've, I've gone back and forth with, with this, you know, and obviously a, a part of, you know, sales is cold calling and, but to your point, you know, I've talked to lots of residential commercial, you know, agents like who, when, again, when they have these listings, like the floodgates open and everyone's coming out of the woodworks. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them have said, you know, like yeah, that expressed like how overwhelming it is and that all of a sudden everyone's coming and asking for the business. So like in your experience has making those calls and those emails when someone gets a listing, like, have you found success with that doing it or? So I never, I did those in the beginning of my career. So 2018. Yeah. Um, but then I just like, once I started making those calls initially, like I probably wouldn't have gotten that business initially, maybe a few here and there, but it's then still calling all the time. Yeah. Right. And yeah. still having them like in my CRM and still inviting them to all the events or all mm-hmm. the things that like we were creating to, you know, add value to people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the stuff that works, right? Yeah. Is, is not like the initial reach out. Like I don't, I never expected to get their deal. Yeah. Right? You try to, you know, give them some type of pitch to get the deal. Mm-hmm. Like I don't expect to get it though. Yeah. But ultimately it's like building a relationship on the back end. Exactly. Right? The, yeah. the more and more you follow up, you know, they'll get into your inner circle. They'll start going to your events or mm-hmm. like things that you're putting on or happy hours or whatever it is. And if you guys connect in person, like that, that's all I wanted is like yeah. to get in front of someone yeah. to build a better connection. And I think back, back then when I was younger, like I wasn't as like, relationship driven as I am now. Like I think mm-hmm. the last like four years is when I've like, I would rather build a relationship and then not use me for title or for whatever, or yeah. bring me, you know, uh, a deal for flips. Then, um, then just like get a deal and not have a relationship. Mm-hmm. Cause then it's just, it's just different. Cause then you're like butting heads the whole time. Yeah. It's not a smooth, it's not smooth. Yeah. So I don't know. That's just where I'm at now in my stage. Yeah. My stage in life. But I think, right now with you, like you, you fuck, you got to call everyone. <laughs> you got to do all of it. Right. Yeah. And I don't even know, like, cause you can't even throw happy hours or anything like that. No. Still, yeah. Stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I agree. And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to a relationship where we're in a relationship business and you have to establish, you know, a level of trust mm-hmm. when someone's going to put their money and their client's money in your hands. Right. Um, so, and that doesn't come, come quickly, right. you know? 100%. I mean, I think abs- sometimes you are going to have the one-offs where you catch somebody who does, who does, might not have a title relationship and they need somebody and you find them at the right time. But for the most part, you know, like, especially like, I know I'm, I'm up against relationships that have been intact for sometimes 20, 30 plus years. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't expect to pick up the phone and break that relationship, but it's like, it's making the contact. And then it's just not like being there as a resource 100%. and like, I'm never going, if someone says, Hey, I'm tight with my title person. Um, you know, now's not the time I'm never going to say, all right, lose my number. Yeah. You know, no, it's like, sure. well, let me know how I can be here for you. You know, I'll always, I'll be here for a second opinion. Even if I'm not working on the deal, let me know if I can help and just continue to, you know, bring value to the table, be there as a resource. And you never know what's going to happen in the future. Maybe someone retires, maybe right. someone screws up, which happens, you know? So, um, it's again, it's just, you got to play the long, the long game in this yeah. business. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, do you want to talk, uh, do you want to talk about dating? Do you want to talk about the single life? It'd be kind of fun. Fuck business. We can talk about like, um, some, some interesting stuff. All right. Sure. Why not? Um, I can't talk about like being single anymore cause I'm technically married. I am married. Technically. <laughs> um, so tell me about this app. Oh, um, yeah. Raya. Raya is a, a dating app. Uh huh. For, um, I guess. Are you, you getting would... nervous? Oh, you're touching your hair over there. <laughs> uh, I guess it, you would consider it for like uh, business professionals. Sarah, you know, they're, mm-hmm. it's known as the celebrity dating app because mm-hmm. there are some on there. See, you see some athletes, but for the most part, it's just, you know, it's like a higher threshold, I guess, or harder to get accepted into. So a higher net worth dating app. I guess. Yeah. Like in general. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, have you seen that thing with Sophia Franklin where she's she asks like people's bank account? No. So she's like it's the girl that call her daddy that like left. Or yeah. Whatever. I always see these TikToks of her like asking for guys' bank accounts on the first date, like jokingly. <laughs> Have you ever done that? No, <laughs> never. I feel like if you're on that app, then at least you'd know that like maybe that they would have a high no. net worth because it has to be like referral basis only. Um. Yeah. I mean. 
I would say I wouldn't and I wouldn't say that's everybody on there. I mean, so be honest, like that's never really been my like a big priority of mine. Yeah, I don't see you as like no. Yeah. It's um I mean, it's always a benefit I think for anyone to like yeah. date someone with money, but like I've never I would never picture you as like a um like need to date someone for money. Like I, I feel like Well, you're like no, a, I mean I mean for me personally, like I I doesn't really matter who who I marry, like I'm never going to just not work. Like my career is what makes me feel good about myself sure. and having like my own success. So it right. doesn't really matter. I could marry a billionaire. Like yeah. at, if he said, quit your job, I'd say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's like, I identify like a big part of my identity is kind of is growing like my, my, my own career. Yeah. So it's never really mattered to me. But then also, you know, I've, I've, I've dated some people where they were, were a great resume, you mm-hmm. know, they were everything that I said that I wanted. Um, and you know, a- across the board, like checked every box, but then the chemistry just wasn't there. Right. And I like, when you feel that spark with somebody like to me, that is so much better than right. feeling like, you know, you're, you're just with someone like who checks the boxes. So like, I feel like I've dated enough, you know, to like kind of have dated, like I've dated people who like are still building and in a growing phase. And, but like we had an amazing connection. I've dated guys who were wealthy and we just, it just wasn't there. Like, so I've seen it all. I've been a part of it all. And I'd way rather find somebody who I have like a great connection with and we can build together with, Mm. because I'm certainly not where I intend to be in my career. So who am I to sit here and say, you need to be established, you know, like I'm not there yet. Like as long as you're still in your twenties. Yeah. Like as long as you know where you're going and you have the ambition, the drive, we are on the same page with the kind of life that we want to provide for ourselves and a family, then that's, that's good with me. Yeah. 100%. And I feel like as, as like me being your friend, like, I feel like you're a very mature, like 20 year old. Um, 20, 29. That's good. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) 20 something. Let's not get people confused. (laughs) (laughs) She's 20 years old. (laughs) Uh, I feel like you're a very mature 29 year old. There's not a lot of like, I feel like I always hang out with older people just because I'm mentally, I've always felt like an older, an older person than what I what I was. Yeah. Um, but I don't know that I was ready to like be like when Whitney and I got together, it was uh, seven years ago now, but like from 28 to like 31, I feel like I was still trying to like figure myself out. And as a guy, like trying to figure yourself out, you're not ready to like, Mm. you're in a relationship. Like I'm not talking about like committing in terms of like cheating, but like I wasn't ready to like fully commit or propose. Mm -hmm. And like, I took things a lot slower because I don't, I didn't feel like I was like fully developed in my career. Mm -hmm. Because I think those next steps, now I'm married, but I can provide. Mm -hmm. And I, as a man, like feel better about knowing that like if the next steps were kids and and, and those things, like Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be nervous to do that. If I was still like in a building phase, it would be really hard to Mm -hmm. do that. So I'm sure like you're probably looking like dating older Um, or are they still Yeah, and it's like. I historically I have um, a little like a little bit older, um, but it's funny after I got out of my last relationship, I kind of I really got into like I went to started going to hypnotherapy and I got really into like understanding not only my own mind, but really trying to understand other people. And I, I read a lot of books um, and it's funny you're saying that because there was one book I, I read by Alison Armstrong that actually goes over like like pretty much is like. It's a fictional book, but discusses the, the, the stages of development of men mm-hmm. and like how, <laughs> I mean, like when you're in that, like that phase of wanting to, to grow, you know, to build. And like, there's a lot of guys who, you know, don't even want to take that next step in life until they feel like they have gotten to that point. And then, but it's still possible for them to go through that being with a woman, but the issue is women can't understand what they're trying to do. And so they can't be the part, like their partner's support that they need throughout that phase of their life. Because Mm -hmm. the big, the biggest disconnect is that women expect men to act like women and like to act like to think the way that we think. So we're like, he's not paying enough attention to me. He, he doesn't love me because he's spending all this time at work. Like they can't understand what they're trying to do. And so then there's just a clash. Right. And 
So it's not that it can't be done like at the same time, but it's just that there's such a disconnect, especially in today's world where, you know, we're in this era of women empowerment and equality, which is great. It's long overdue. But at the end of the day, like we're all psychologically wired the way that we are. Mm -hmm. And, you know, now we have this power struggle and men can't like we women don't want to like to act like we need men or like, so they don't let men be, be men, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's been really, really interesting kind of like diving into that and really trying to understand the difference between men and women. I think that's helped me a lot. Like as I date, because I'm not taking things as as personally, I feel like I understand people for where they're at in life. Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to make people be where I am, like I can, uh, I can understand where they are and just try to be the support. Right. Or where you want them to be. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I think a big, like, yeah, because you, there's to, like totally different stages in life. And I think women too, like you guys go through stages of life. Yeah. That's totally different than what we go mm-hmm. through. Um, and I think just us as guys like building and creating like some like empire, so to speak. Yeah. Right. We're, but now like I, because I was raised by women and all the women are like in my life are very like strong women. My mom's a, a principal. So she like run shit, mm-hmm. right? So very, very strong women. So like she, like to me, I look at her, like she created her own empire in her own way. Yeah. And um, so I love, like, I'm all about like women growing their own shit. Yeah. And like, I think now present day, like women almost are like men mm-hmm. and what men used to be mm-hmm. is now like, I think we're always equal. Yeah. Like there was never a difference where men are, men are here, women are here. Like, I think we were always an equal playing field. I think now just women are like taking off and just being badasses mm-hmm. and it's just totally different. Cause now it's just acceptable where it wasn't acceptable like 20 or 30 years ago. It's just totally different. Yeah. Do you think that? Yeah, no, I agree. I think, I mean, I think historically like there were serious, there were like definitely like gender roles oh, and like, right. you know, but um, I think it's, yeah, it's now like women are, are, you know, breaking through those glass ceilings. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost like a lot of women feel like they, they can't let a man be like super masculine and still like have this as much power as them. Mm -hmm. Like there, you can still be like your equals in a relationship, but you can still let a man be a man, Mm -hmm. you know, like you don't have to emasculate them to feel like, okay, like I, I can do just as much as you. Mm -hmm. I don't need you. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's, that's just been the biggest disconnect between men and women, like in modern times, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like, we're, we're all animals at the end of the day. (laughs) Like we can try to, we can try to fight it as much as we want, but men have certain like psychological needs and so do women. So we don't have to fight against that in order to be like equal partners. We just have to know how to support each other in those needs. Mm -hmm. 100%. Do you feel like the book, that book, uh, those books helped you like, do you, do you psychoanalyze like the guy, the guy that you just went and met, met with? Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We can edit that part out. Um, (laughs) With dates that you have gone on recently, do you feel like you've psychoanalyzed them because of the books? No, not at all. Hmm. In fact, like it, 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 it's weird. It makes me almost just kind of like, I, like, again, like I feel like I get it now. Like I, mm. I think more so it's a, an internal thing because I used to get super in my head. Like, what does this mean? You know what I mean? Like am I doing something wrong. Am I doing something wrong? Um, and instead I'm just kind of like, Oh, like, okay. I kind of, I, I understand where you're at. And so I'm not going to take offense to the way that you're acting. Mm. And I like I'll I'll pick up on things all the time. Like even you know with my friends is when they tell me stories, um, when they're dating. This is actually a really funny example. So, you know, one of the big takeaways like from like from these books is that you know a big difference between men and women is that like men are very like single focused, whereas like when they're focused on something, like that's what they're focused on. You know, if like they're at work, they're thinking about work. Women like we our minds are. A, on everything at all, like all the time. We're thinking about our friends, our family, our jobs, you know, like everything at once. So we'll be at work and we're thinking about the guy and we're like, well, I'm thinking about him. Why isn't he thinking about me? Mm -hmm. You know? And it's just like, that's just not how it works. Mm -hmm. Like they're like focused on work. And then as soon as they come up for air, they're like, Oh, I'm going to reach out to the girl I like or whatever, you Mm -hmm. know? So, um, but I was telling, I was actually at my sister's house and I was like talking to her about it. And her fiance came downstairs and he was like, I'm kind of hungry. And we were like, 
yeah, no, like we're, we're hungry too. We should get something. And so like, we're like talking, whatever. And then all of a sudden he's gone and we're like, what, where'd he go? And she called him like, and he's upstairs and he's like, oh yeah, no, I just, I just grabbed some chips and I went back upstairs. She's like, but we were all hungry. Like I thought we were going to, we were going to get this. And I was like, but I, I just started laughing because I was like, I wasn't even mad. I was just like, he was like, I'm hungry. I'm going to satisfy this need <laughs> right. and go back upstairs. Yeah. But it was like, but like you think about that in a marriage situation where like if a, if a husband did that, oh my gosh, they'd probably raise hell. Like you're so inconsiderate. Like what? Right. Like we, like, what about me? What about my needs? Yeah. If Whitney was to come home and I <laughs> was like, oh, I'm hungry. She's like, oh yeah, I'm hungry too. And I made myself like dinner and didn't make <laughs> yeah. her dinner. Like I would be in so much trouble, you know, like I, she would be like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, why, yeah. why wouldn't you make me dinner? <laughs> and, but it was so funny. Like we just started like busting out laughing because I was like, I under, like I wasn't even mad because I was like, I like, he didn't mean to like, you know, disregard right. our needs. It was just, he had one, he satisfied it and that's it. <laughs> there was, um, there was this meme the other day. This is kind of sort of off topic, but like marriage topic, which is kind of funny. Um, I'm like such a fast eater. Like mm -hmm. I just like, like if we both, if we're, if I'm making dinner and I make dinner at the same time, we both sit down at the same time, 30 seconds later, my plate is completely gone. It's in the dishwasher and I'm like going and doing things. And she's like, wait, I thought we were having dinner together, but my plate's like gone and done. Yeah. And she's like still eating. She's had like three bites already. There was this meme that she showed me recently of like going to dinner with like your husband or your significant other. And the guy's plate's like empty and hers like just got like is still fully, yeah. fully there. It's just funny, like, as you, like, get older and, like, dating and, like, you start noticing, like, little things like that that, yeah. like, guys and girls do differently. Yeah. But you just have to adapt and, like, yeah. deal with it. For sure. But, yeah, no, it's just, it's been fun, like, um, it's been funny to kind of just, like, read, like, read those, kind of learn about, like, all that psychology and then just see it out in the wild. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, Big goals. Like next five years, next year, anything that like you're like really excited about or that you are trying to work towards? Um, I mean, right now I'm just still, you know, it's, I'm new. Um, you know, I just went through my projections for next year. Um, and I've got some like big deals hopefully in the pipeline, but, um, but yeah, I mean, I've set pretty high goals for myself as far as, you know, what I'm going to do work-wise, but I feel like I'm just really starting to get my, my feet wet in a mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, next five years, like, obviously I would love to be at the top of, you know, this, the, the list every month for, mm -hmm. for revenue. So, um, yeah, we'll see. Um, yeah. That's exciting though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think fresh, something new, something fresh is like kind of like invigorates you mm -hmm. at least for the next foreseeable future. Until yeah. You, maybe you get burnt out. Who knows? But, yeah. Um, don't be old and grouchy like me. Yeah. Out. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, thanks for coming on. I yeah. appreciate you. This is a long time coming. Well, for sure. Sort of. Um, thank you all for watching. If you want to reach out to her, she'll be tagged down below. If you are in commercial real estate, use her for title. She's amazing. <laughs> she'll take care of you. Thank you all. And we'll see you later. Thanks.